0: This podcast is sponsored by Bitumar. Bitumar strives to be the total asphalt solution for the paving, roofing, and specialty asphalt markets. From roads to roofs, Bitumar has you covered. Visit them online at bitumar.com. That's B I T U M A R.com. Welcome to Episode 5 of Stories of an Extraordinary Industry, presented by the National Roofing Contractors Association, NRCA. I am your host, Jared Ribble. The roofing industry is made up of talented people, and this is the place where their stories get told. In this episode, we tell the story of a man who had a long and winding journey to become the president of a $3 billion roofing materials manufacturing company. For those listening concerned life's road has too many hairpin turns and is leading nowhere fast, I think this story will encourage you. Also, team leaders, listen carefully as this story reveals three keys to getting your team to be on the cutting edge of innovation. It involves fishing and taking the subway. This is the story of Jim Schnepper, president of GAF.
1: Big family, five children, one brother and three sisters. So I also say that my feet never touched the ground until I was ten years old. so I was completely spoiled by everybody in the family. I don't I mean, I sure there's those moments of fighting and and, and bickering. Uh, But I was generally, uh, I was very fortunate. I had a great family, great parents. Yeah, it's probably more quirky than anything, um, if I had to describe myself uh, growing up.
0: Jim may have been quirky, but even as a five-year-old, he had a soft spot for the underdog. Uh,
1: I was born in Chicago. Chicago was rough. We lived on the south side of Chicago in an area, it was then called Burbank, but it's generally right in there with Evergreen Park, which was kind of an island in a lot of bad uh, neighborhoods. (laughs) There was a field that was between our house and the church that we attended, actually, and we always played in that field. These two boys were fighting, uh, probably teenagers. If I had to guess their ages, I would tell you they were probably 12 and 15, something in that range. Anyway, they were fighting, and uh, one guy uh, pulls out a switchblade knife and was uh, acting like he was gonna attack this other individual that they were fighting with. And I said, oh, my God, that guy, he doesn't have anything. So I ran back into the house, and I grabbed the biggest butcher knife that my mother had in the kitchen and brought it out to the other guy and gave it to him. You know, I don't don't think any blood was drawn. I'm pretty sure of that uh, in the incident. Because there, shortly after, someone else had probably saw it and called the police.
0: As our story unfolds, you will notice standing up for the underdog is a common theme in Jim's life. Shortly thereafter, Jim's dad packs the family up and moves to New Jersey. This five-year-old already is showing signs he thrives when building relationships. Jim couldn't know it at the time. The bedrock was being laid into his winding path ahead.
1: When we first moved there from Chicago, my parents started to meet the neighbors over a course of, call it, three or four days. And in that course of meeting people, the one thing that was consistent is they said, when they would go to introduce their youngest son of five children, Jim, they'd say, oh, we know Jim. And they said, oh, how do you know Jim? Oh, well, he came around and knocked on our door about 5.30 in the morning the first day you moved into the house (laughs) to say hello, and I'm your new neighbor. And uh, so I think (laughs) my parents always said they knew I was gonna be in sales because of that. I tended to be that kind of a person. I was very gregarious as a kid. His parents thought he would go into sales? Yeah, no kidding came home with uh, some nickels in my pocket, and I said, Ma, look what I got. And she said, where did you get that? I said, I got them from the, the neighbors, and the people along the street. And she said, well, why did you? Why did they give you that money? I said, I sold them flowers. And she goes, what flowers? And I said, the, the flowers that I cut from the yard. And she goes, whose yard? I go, their yard. And she goes, you can't do that. And she just drug me back and I had to give back the money. But I was generally a pretty decent kid. Look, my parents would tell you I was probably the best of all of them, and I, I don't believe that. I'll tell you, that was their perception, mostly because I learned how to be crafty. Crafty, maybe,
0: as a young boy. But it was actually dedication that was being laid into his Rhodes Foundation. When Jim was 13, his family moved to a small pig farm in southern Illinois, where he would finish out his high school years and plan to go to college.
1: When I was growing up, I I never thought whether I was or wasn't going to college. That just never crossed my mind. That was the next thing after high school. Um, Education, I never felt accomplished in it, if that makes any sense. I mean, I think I was learning a lot, but I never felt a sense of accomplishment from it. So for me, it was kind of a slog in a lot of ways. In my sophomore year in college, a friend of mine went into the military, the National Guard, and then was going down to boot camp and was scared to death to do it once he had signed up. I said, what are you afraid of? And He goes, oh, he goes, you know, it's, you know, I don't know, I don't know what it's like. Was it the wrong move? Um, But he did it for sheer financial reasons. He couldn't afford tuition. And I said to him, well, look, I mean, why don't I go in with you? I don't, what's the, what do you, you know, if they pay for college, my dad would love that he wouldn't have to pay for my college. And uh, so I went down and signed up. Didn't talk to anybody about it. When I did call my parents and tell them that I did it, my father was very upset with me, and he says, what do, you, what do you mean? He goes, this is my obligation has always been to pay for my kids' college education. You took that away from me, and you had no right to do that. He was very upset, and uh, I never it never registered in my mind at the time I was doing it. But now, um, people who have obligations and feel a need to do something, you have to let them do it. Um, and you never want to take that away from someone.
0: Once again, Jim is helping an underdog and learning an important life lesson in the process. Ultimately, Jim finished college with a degree in political science from Southern Illinois University. But Jim just wanted to get to work.
1: Sales always has come relatively easy to me. I love the concept of talking to people and delivering a product. Jim
0: dove into selling Dale Carnegie Institute training seminars and then onto specialized bank shelving systems.
1: And then I got recruited from a furniture manufacturer because it kind of goes hand in hand with contract furniture. We did some really neat things. We took Camlock Construction and Fine Furniture. We were the first company to do that and have that manufactured. But he asked me to come in as a partnership, and that's what I did. I had an ownership in that business until the partnership fell apart. I found out my partners were stealing money from the business, and mostly from me. Uh, I forget that it was the business. They own two-thirds of it between the two of them, Um, but they were stealing money from me. And I found that out because I called my ESOP to try to understand what my balance was in that so, account. Okay. And uh, they said, so who are you? And <laughs> Minnesota Mutual is the company. And they go, "We have no idea who you are. And I said, really? I said, no, I have an account. It's, you know, it's with TMS Designs. So no, we don't know who you are. So I went back to the, <laughs> the other two owners. I said, What well, I called it. It must be a mistake. They don't have anything. And found out they never even created the account for me. So not only were they not contributing for the company's uh, contribution, my contributions they were stealing from me <laughs> this is the most ridiculous thing anyway the, the relationship then split up I got so upset I went out and started my own business and remember the time uh, I, had a, I was a sales head of the sales group and uh, all the customers followed me in hindsight, not the smartest thing that I did in my life, but I was so angry at the time. Um, they sued me uh, because we had non-competes as, as partnerships. And my attorney said they couldn't win in Illinois, that they wouldn't win. Uh, they can't keep you, prevent you from doing what you do. My attorney was wrong, they were right. The judge, I'll never forget what he said to me, son, you're young enough and uh, you're young enough and you have enough knowledge that you could use negatively against your partners and you're young enough you could do anything you want and uh, you're smart enough to be able to do it. And therefore, I'm. I'm holding the uh, non-compete in compliance. So I had to find something else to do. Jim sees a curious ad in the Chicago Tribune.
0: He made sure
1: his resume
0: stood out amongst the crowd.
1: Well, that was in 1995. I was 27 years old. Looking, GAF was looking for an architectural rep and uh, construction, and I was all in the stuff that I wanted to do. And I said, yeah, "That's really interesting. Let me call him up." Those display ads, they probably get hundreds of thousands of resumes. <laughs> my brother says, you'll never get hired. They'll never see your resume. And so I tried to think of a way that I could make them look at my resume. So what I decided to do, did a lot of research on the company knowing it was roofing and shingles. And I took a black envelope, a black as night envelope. That's what I used to send my resume in. I was going to put and glue sand to it. But my brother said, oh, no, the HR, as soon as you threw that on the HR person's desk and they got sand all over the nice wood desk, They'd throw it right in the trash can. <laughs> but I was trying to make the envelope look like a shingle to get their attention. If I could just get them, all I kept thinking is if I could get them to pull my resume out, i think that they'll call me. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, I sent the black envelope in and they called me. So I got an interview and uh, went through the interview and process and got hired. And that's how I ended up at GAF.
0: Just shy of 30 years old, bite-sized, realistic goals put Jim on a fast track inside GAF.
1: So all I did is I just always said that every year I wanted to either be A, recognized or B, promoted in every 12-month period of time. Now, there were points in time where it got to be 18 months, but it never was uh, greater than that. And that was my mission. That was my goal. I wanted to just be the best in the role that I was um, and then go to the next step to learn more. And it was a learning concept, to be honest with you, and what I wanted to learn, where I wanted to go next. As you can imagine, Jim was
0: in fact promoted or recognized every 12 to 18 months. Soon he launched GAF's new TPO line Evergard. He held various roles as a sales manager on their commercial side. After helping launch GAF's care program, he moved to the residential side of GAF where he rose to the top of the sales chain to become an executive VP. And then he is asked to make a big move and not just across the country.
1: And then, uh David Winter and David Millstone, at the time, were looking to potentially buy a company in Europe and expand the business. And they wanted to come and build an industrial, a real contemporized industrial manufacturing business. And said, Jim, would you be interested in going to Europe? And I said, absolutely, I'd love to do it. And then I was there for a little over a year. And then before I came back here, when Bob Tefero decided that he wanted to step back. And that was always the plan, it just wasn't going to be that soon that we were expecting that to happen, um, but it was sooner than I certainly wanted it to be because I was learning a lot over there and really great lessons about the business and, and how to create value and uh, really how to just motivate people, change management uh, techniques and uh, just learned a, just a heck of a lot. Anyway, I then came back here uh, as president of GAF and that's where we're at today.
0: Did you catch how Jim's commitment to learning and improving accelerated his career? He may not have felt accomplished in the educational setting, but don't be confused. Jim is always learning. Jim's journey from childhood to GAF is by no means a straight line, but clearly we can see the importance of relationships to him. Along the way, Jim has built several lasting ones. We will get to some of those relationships and we need to figure out how fishing leads to innovation if you choose to ride the New York City subway. All of that and more in a moment, but first. Bichamar is a family-owned and operated company founded in 1977. Their mission is to provide high-quality, environmentally friendly asphalt products that contribute to value-added productivity and long-term cost savings for their customers. To operate with a spirit of excellence, fully exploiting their core strengths to deliver superior customer services and ensuring the future growth of their company. Bichamar strives to be the total asphalt solution for the paving, roofing, and specialty asphalt markets. Bichamar provides a full line of asphalt products, commodity, polymer modified, and specialty blends for the paving and roofing markets in North America. They utilize their technical expertise to develop specialty asphalts to meet their customers' needs. They are on time, on test, and on temperature, meaning your asphalt will arrive when you need it. It will meet your specifications and be at the temperature you require, meeting their customers' requirements each and every time. From roads to roof- Roofs, Bitumar has you covered. For more information on their locations and product offerings, visit them online at bitumar.com. That's b-i-t-u-m-a-r.com. Welcome back to the story of Jim Schneppert, the president of GAF. Jim set out a goal to always be learning something new. He is attracted to solving problems through innovation, and he thrives by building relationships, standing up for the underdog. Let's continue our story.
2: My name is uh, Jim Durkin, and I am the Senior VP of Residential Sales for GAF. He's a fun-loving guy, loves to get to new places, loves to be around people, enjoys sports. So, I mean, we we do a lot with customers. We entertain a lot, we we go to games, we, we take trips. Um, It really is all about that relationship, and those are the, the vehicles and mechanisms that we use to get close to the customer. We would, on occasion, break away at lunchtime
3: and go just play nine holes together. That's Reed Ribble, a former roofing contractor and customer. He would invite Dina and I out for dinner at night when he was in town. It went a little bit beyond just the normal roofing company and manufacturer's rep relationship because we ultimately became friends. Hearing your customers are also your friends is clearly a sign of a great partnership. He had been moved to New Jersey, and we hadn't seen each other for probably five or six years. And he called me out of the blue and said, hey, Reed, I want to come up and talk to you. And he said, I'm doing acquisitions now for GAF, and we're looking at acquiring a company that manufactures in a, a, a latex roof membrane and coatings. And I noticed in their customer list that you're one of their larger customers in the country, and so I thought maybe you could take me and show me a couple of your older jobs. I took him out and we looked at several jobs that we had had on for fifteen or sixteen years. And he was being, he was being very Jim Schnepper at the time. He's a analytical guy. He was looking for uh, how that product was weathering. Was it actually doing something that was unique in the marketplace? That was different than what other. Similar types of products of similar composition were doing and how it was performing. After that visit, uh, GAF acquired that company and, and brought it into their product line.
0: Here again is Jim Durkin describing how Schnepper is always pushing GAF
2: forward was always about trying to add value. So, and try to set GAF a little bit different. So how could we be different than the other guy when working with both the contractor and our our distributor partners? Always a huge advocate of our certified contractor
3: program. One of the big innovations that GAF did was in their care program, which became a contractor-driven educational and training program and customer support program that uh, GAF had created specifically for their kind of top-tier contractors. And at the time, it was really innovative, and almost all of the manufacturers have now followed that lead. And that was an example of Jim's unique ability to, to
0: really pay attention and to listen to contractors. But it's not just contractors where Jim focuses his time. He engages the entire roofing supply chain, large distributors and small. Let me introduce you to Tim Bach.
4: Every... IRE we, we try to set up a fishing trip, and uh, so we've been fishing with him for years, and even as he's gotten in to be president of GAF, we keep saying, "Jim, we're just a little lakefront, so you can, you don't have to take this time. He absolutely does it every single year." He, he makes time. Bill Baldoff is uh, the guide. He goes crazy trying to find the perfect place, even in Las Vegas. The fishing was terrible, but it was fun. Here is Bill Baldoff, the senior sales
0: manager at Lakefront Roofing Supply.
2: It's not always about catching fish, it's a time that we're able to spend together, you know, in the field, around the water, or even the, uh, the commute, stopping for breakfast and lunch along the way and just uh, catching up with life in general. You know, most common thing we have is roofing, so uh, we're both very passionate about roofing and it always seems to come up in the conversation, but it's, it doesn't rule the conversation, there's more personal conversation going on than, than about our businesses.
0: Lakefront Roofing Supply is a one-location distribution company. And while they seem like a small fish, Jim continues to take time to foster this relationship and learn from them.
4: Bill and I always wondered, like, why does he keep, you know, meeting with us, you know, all through the years? And I think it's because we truly don't want to use it as a time that we can beat him up as much as a brainstorm time. I think he really really loves to talk about a new innovative idea. In fact, the HDZ that just came out, he that was years ago. He was telling us about it and we're like, "Really, Jim, a zipper?" I don't know. You know, it was interesting, but anyway, he 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 was it was super interesting just to kind of brainstorm with them on different ideas. So we'll actually, we'll, we'll come with ideas too, you know, has JAFR considered thus and so? So it's really a time of brainstorming uh, and friendship. Jim values innovation, and he knows that innovation comes through ideas from multiple sources. He definitely listens at the distributor council that I went to in New York. These are all major distributors, again, inviting me, this small <laughs> lakefront supply, one location. I'm sitting with people with multi-locations, multi-billionaires. It was so incredible that he wanted to hear from uh, you know, an inner-city supplier that really, trying to get his uh, mind around Chicago and what Chicago can bring. Leaving the convention for the day, Jim showed his true colors, I was with my daughter, who lives in New York. We finished the show, and my daughter said, Dad, I'm not going to take that limousine back to the hotel. It's I'm going to go in the subway. So Jim overheard it. He said, I want to go with you. And it was the funnest time getting to know my daughter and him getting to know, you know, Thank she you. was giving him a hard time, like, you never go on the subway anyway. But it was a lot of fun. And it, 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 uh, everybody was like, Jim, where did you go? You know, we didn't know where you were. <laughs> He took the subway with my daughter. It was really fun. Just a friendly guy and a fun guy in that way. Simple choices
0: Jim makes, like choosing to take the subway rather than a limo, or going fishing every year with a small distribution company, point to why Jim is so valued inside GAF and why they felt he was the right guy to lead them into an innovative future.
1: Innovation is so important to me. I love it. I mean, I just love everything about innovation. That's the part I I, I like the most. It's where I really resonate. So then, how
0: does a leader like Jim Schnepper create a company culture that fosters innovation?
1: Diversity is so important to me. I'm thankful that it is proven uh, that companies who are diverse uh, do perform better. On both the top and bottom line. I knew that. I love the, just the people that think differently than I do. Be different, like, use your own unique experiences because everybody has their own. Like, I, I love diversity in a lot of different things, not just cultural, not just the, the typical ones, culture, gender, race is what, what diversity is about. I think those are fascinating things. Um, ideologies is the other one religion because they change the lens that you look at things from and you'll just you'll get a better output on whatever it is and whatever you're solving for because you have so many different viewpoints and you'll find the place that solves the right answer that probably is better because you're addressing more viewpoints in, in the decision making
0: diversity fosters better ideas but diversity alone is not enough for innovation
1: I love the curiosity. I love people that have curiosities about things. Um, I think that's the part of that leads you through innovation. I think it starts with the curiosity. And, um, and so I look for that. I think the next thing would be uh, someone that loves to collaborate. Um, someone that actually can learn from listening and hearing from others. I want to hear everyone's voice. Um, I really do. That I'm leading. And I think that, um, goes into a lot of the whole thing around be letting people be authentic, um, allowing people to show their diversity, um, allowing pe- people to, you know, celebrate their diversity.
0: Curiosity and collaboration mixed with diversity is the recipe for truly great innovation. And at the heart of it all is people and getting people into the position to be at their
1: best a pretty good student of human nature, I get it. Like I understand people's natural tendencies for things. And then trying to match those or mold those, then letting people be their best. So he's a guy that really kind of lets you do
2: your thing, but all, but all the while with results as being the, the, the ultimate objective. Incredibly supportive, always there to listen and give assistance when, when needed. So what do fishing trips and subway rides have
0: to do with innovation? Jim takes simple opportunities to get to know someone different than himself, because it is that type of diversity, collaboration, and curiosity, which breeds the best innovation. And GAF gets the benefit of this type of leadership. He was never in a hurry. He was easy to talk to and willing to hear
3: us out. I think it ultimately made him very successful. And today, I mean, he's uh, the president of the company, and so he's done pretty well for himself.
1: I, I like working, I know it sounds weird. I actually enjoy it, like I just like doing it. I, I don't know. I don't ever wanna just sit still and do nothing, right? Look, I wanna to continue to keep learning. As long as I'm learning and being interested in what it is that I'm doing, I'll keep doing it.
0: Of course Jim wants to keep working because Jim Schnepper wants to keep learning. Jim, thank you for sharing your story with us, teaching us how to foster great innovation. Did you catch the three keys? Collaborate with a diverse group of curious people. Jim, you are taking this extraordinary industry to great places in the future. I'd like to thank Tim Bach and Bill Baldoff from Lakeside Roofing Supply for joining us. Thank you to Jim Durkin and Reed Ribble who also helped curate information for this story. Have you been elevating the roofing industry? You have a story and we would like to tell it here. Email us at stories at nrca.net, stories at nrca.net. When Jim Schnepper was a child, I am confident he did not dream his path would lead to being president of GAF. While it may have been a long and winding journey, Jim stayed committed to learning, building relationships, standing up for the little guy, and fostering innovation. If you are concerned your own journey is on a trail with too many twists and turns like his, he has a word of advice for you. I'm going to sign off here. Be well, be safe, and be proud of this great industry. Jim, the final word is yours.
1: You always want to have a vision of where you may end up going but I think that the journey to get there, you can't plot it out exactly or you'll probably miss it and be disappointed and it may actually prevent you from getting there.